Okay, we are recording. Three second pause will be underway. Hello, welcome to episode 17 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Rod Murray guiding proceedings and exciting to be doing so from on site at the Vic Open at 13th Beach, Australia's best, if not most important tournament. We'll talk about that as the show goes on. In a moment, I'll be joined by a very special co-host. But before we bring in England's Felicity Johnson, a couple of quick messages. Don't forget to check out our sponsors website at thegolfsociety.com.au forward slash Talk and golf, you'll find a full range of the best brand names of golf apparel like Hugo Boss, Jay Lindeberg, Ralph Lauren and Nike, as well as shoes and accessories. Pretty much anything you could want from the biggest names in the game. Talk and golf listeners receive a $25 store credit on their first visit. So do yourself a favour, click the link in the show notes below or grab a pen. Quick, hurry up, hurry up. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Golfsociety.com.au forward slash talk and golf, just the one G in talk and golf. Important to remember that. Uh, if you're looking for more golf podcasts, head to the Talk and Golf Network, home to some of the game's best and most popular shows, including Feed the Ball, the Grumpy Old Man podcast, State of the Game, On the Tee with Dr. P, and our latest edition, the Blind Shots podcast with Kentucky native Dave Hill. Yes, Kentucky. Interesting. Great accent. Good show. Recommend going and having a listen. Okay, enough of all that. We're on site. We're excited. It's golf time. Let's get on with the show. And let's start by saying a big hello to Felicity Johnson, or as those of us who count ourselves as friends call her, Flick. How are you going? Rod, nice to be here. Thanks for having me again. And uh, it's great to be back down here at 13th Beach. Well, it's a habit for you now, isn't it? Tell us what your home in England would look like at the moment compared to <laughs> what Australia looks like. Um, uh, the mess- from the messages I'm getting from back home, it's dull, rainy, dreary, start by four o'clock, light about nine. So, uh, yeah, I don't really miss it at this point in time, really. What, what you've just described, it's England. That's the single word answer for And me. it is winter. It is England and it is We winter. do have some nice days, no, indeed, uh, it, it, contrary it, to opinions. England is a, uh, is a fantastic place. Uh, how many times is this for you now? Um, I've skipped it once since it's been down here, so I think this is five, six maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I skipped it once and got a bit of grief and instantly regretted it, so uh, I won't make the same mistake again. You're practically an Australian, aren't you, Flick? You've been adopted down here. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think myself as an honorary Australian, honorary Victorian, Um I mean, it feels like home down here. Um, I've been I've been in Australia for about four weeks now, and as soon as I got back to Melbourne, I was like, "Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> nice to be back here." And especially down here at Barwon Heads, it's you just get up in the morning, go for a run on the beach. And yes, I do run on the beach. Um, <laughs> Actually, you're looking extremely fit. We'll come talk to you about all that. Thank you. I'm breathing in. Um, but it's just it's such a good vibe down here. It's it's really hard not to enjoy yourself, mm-hmm. um, not just here, but in Australia in general. And uh, yeah, I do have to allow a bit of this golfy stuff as well to uh, to fund these trips. You do so much travel in your profession, and yet so much of it really isn't travel. It's just going from point A to point B and spending a bunch of days and then going from point A to point B. It's finish Sunday night, fly Monday, uh, washing and whatnot on Monday, travel, uh, practice around Tuesday, pro-am Wednesday, Thursday to Sunday golf, rinse and repeat. Eat, sleep, repeat, yeah. Yeah. When you find a place that you like, I imagine, that must be a real pain in the bum sometimes. So to be able to come down here for two weeks of – Golf plus all the primes and whatnot before, that must be a real joy. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's, look, it's not that glamorous, uh, this golf lifestyle, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I love doing what I do, but yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of hanging around at airports for delayed flights and early morning wake up calls to get that early morning Monday flight with a hangover, maybe. And, um, <laughs> it's not all it's cracked up to be, but no, like I said, it, it's great, but 
when you do find somewhere you enjoy, it really feels like home for the weekend. Mm. I think if you can really enjoy somewhere, it's like anything. If you enjoy something, you're probably going to do it to the best of your ability. Yeah. So um, it can only be a good thing for my golf, I think. Yeah, well, we're culturally similar with the cricket and, you know, the whole Commonwealth and that sort of stuff. So comfortable in that way. Let's talk about golf. Uh, as you said, five visits here, I think. What did you shoot in the first round last year? Oh, I shot a 64 on the creek course, uh-huh. um, eight under. Uh, looking forward to defending my uh, my first round <laughs> lead this week. The, the tournament within a tournament yeah, that all absolutely. the players really I, are keen on. Yeah, I mean, it's all about just peaking on a Thursday. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was great. It was one of those days where um, things just went right. I had an afternoon tea time. There wasn't much wind. And uh, I think I said at the time it was easy. And that might sound strange, but it was a very easy 64. Um, days like that don't come along very often. So when they do... You really have to make the most of and uh, make the most of them. And uh, I have been lobbying with the organisers at Golf Australia to make it uh, three rounds on the creek. Um, four would be ideal. But All of them on Thursday, preferably. Yeah, absolutely. Let's just keep going. But they seem to have fallen on deaf ears, unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, just the one round. But, yeah, it's something to look forward to. Yeah. It tells you, I guess, on a serious note, Flick, that you've got the game. You know you can do it. So I can't, I don't, I can't remember what happened last year. I think you... You sort of you you didn't fall off the you faded a bit. Didn't yeah, you? I didn't shoot sixty four again. No, um, but yeah, I mean, um, it's obviously great that it's a it's an LPGA event, um, so you're going to get a, a very good field. Um, I, I mean, having played on the LPGA for a few years, um, I know I can compete. It's just doing it consistently. So yes, I can shoot sixty four one day, but then it's doing it every mm-hmm. week or twice a week, uh, which is what the top players do. So it's all about consistency. So. I think I shot, I can't even remember what I shot. I finished about 20 seconds, which so, yeah. wasn't a bad result. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty happy with that. But it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's all about consistency. So if you can shoot 68 every day, you're going to do pretty well at this game. Yeah, if you took four rounds of 68 every single week and overlaid that over the results, yeah. you'd have a couple of wins a year, wouldn't you? And you'd yeah. be rarely out of the top 10. You're going to be making some good cash with that. You're going to be making some good cash indeed. You talked about the strength of the field here and you've played the LPGA for a while. You get to compare yourself with the best players. This, These two courses these next two weeks here at 13th Beach and again at Royal Adelaide next week are very different to what you find those best players play on most weeks in America. What does that do to sort out the field? And does that give players like yourself from places like England and perhaps Scotland and Ireland and, and Australia any kind of – advantage would be the wrong word because you've never got an advantage over the, the likes of some yeah. of the players we've got here. But does it give you maybe an insight to a style of golf? Yeah, I think it's a style of golf that Americans um, aren't used to playing or aren't comfortable playing. Um, over there, you get your, your lob wedge out, you get your 60-degree out and you hit it as high as you can and you hit it as far as you can. The fairways are generally pretty wide. Um, on the LPGA, it's a lot of just see target, uh, aim at the pin, mm-hmm. off you go, which I actually kind of suits my game well. Um, but it's not the most exciting to play or to, to watch as a spectator either. So it's less cerebral too, I feel. It's, it's more sort of track man golf, isn't it? 162 yeah, yards, six iron goes 162 yeah. yards. That's there's not a lot of thought process goes into yeah. it. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, these week, these, uh, these courses, especially if the wind gets up like it always does down at 13th here. Um, they, they, they're testing. Um, there is some space out there off the tee, but if you miss it in the wrong places, you can soon rack up a bogey or double bogey. Um, but in the same with Royal next week, it's, that's a great golf course. It's going to be a real test. Um, but it definitely, the best player comes out the winner um, from these events because yeah. it, it, you need a whole round game. Yes, you probably will need your lob wedge at some point, but you can also use your, your hybrid around the greens. You can nine iron bump and run it. So it's a bit more imagination, which... Um, which is fun to play. Mm. And like you said, it, it's like being, for me, it's like being back home a bit yeah. more. Um, 
So yeah, it probably does give us an advantage um, in that respect. That that test of both execution of being not just a test of execution. You have to think well. You have to make the right decision, and then you have to execute. Yeah, and you have you have options around the greens here. You can use your lob wedge. You can mm-hmm. use a nine iron, and it's it's picking the right shot. Mm-hmm. There might not be a wrong shot, but it's picking the shot that's right for that situation. Mm-hmm. And then just executing it um, and really committing to it because it's very easy to get in a bit of self doubt and uh, and then then it all just goes horribly wrong from there. Mm. If you're thinking, oh, maybe I should use a fifty two or maybe I should use a seven iron, <laughs> and then you do neither and you've probably got the same shot again. So yeah. you just got to pick one shot, commit to it, and do your best. Maybe is not a word professional golfers want to hear ever, is it? Maybe no, it's not a great or, one. Or maybe that in an in a in an ironic way. The long rough that comes right up to the edge of the greens, which is we see, I'm not saying that's every golf course in America, but it's a predominantly that style of golf we see more in America than elsewhere, makes it easier for the better players, doesn't it? Because there's no thinking involved. You know that you're going to grab the 60-degree wedge, you're going to take a big swing at it, and it's going to come out like a bunker shot. Yeah, and it's it's also, it's all you have to practice, really. Mm. You don't need to spend a couple of hours on the chipping green messing around with different clubs, which which is good fun. It's kind of what, growing, growing up back home, is what you did. You, what kids do, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You, you've... You might not have a full set of clubs, so you've got an eight iron and you learn to play lots of different shots with an eight iron. You play bunker shots, you play bumper runs, you see what you can do with it. And that's that's part of the fun of, of growing up um, playing golf with your mates. And I think we can lose that as professional golfers. You get so stuck in your ways of, right, I've missed the green. I'm just going to pull the love wedge out straight away because um, that's all you need in America, like I said. So you just got to make it fun because practicing isn't always the most enjoyable thing. Um some days you don't want to practice, but you know, if you can make it fun, make it challenging, make it interesting, you're going to have a lot more productive work, work I think. Indeed. What are the keys to these golf courses? But, well, probably both of the next, each of the next two weeks. What are the sort of the keys? Is it, is it mostly about the physical? Is it more about the mental and discipline? It can blow here, especially the wind can blow. Well, you just take the yardage book and throw it away. Yeah, I mean, it means it's, nothing. Uh, already this week, it's been blowing pretty hard out there, and I think it's going to blow um, throughout the week. Um, probably next week at Royal is a bit more positional, uh, a bit more strategy involved. Um, Play the angles, hit it yeah, to the right spots on the yeah. fairways to open up flags. And yeah, and um, and I say this, these courses here um, are a bit more playable, I think, a bit more scorable. Um, like I said, you do have a bit of room, but if you do miss it in the wrong spot, you can have long – and the, the green's pretty big, so you can have some long putts and the humps can get in the way. So it's – it's maybe a bit more fun playing this these courses, but um, not when you're playing for money. Yeah, <laughs> not a good play. Not sure anywhere's fun then. Um, but it, it's uh, look, it's a great tournament, and um, it's. I hope it doesn't. For me personally, I hope it doesn't blow too much because I'm not a massive fan of playing in the wind. Um, hence why maybe my record down here isn't too hot. Um, but maybe as I'm getting older, I'm learning to enjoy it a bit more, enjoy the challenge, and we will see what happens. Sometimes a lack of expectation can be a positive, can't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Expe- expectations are killer. Alan Flick stands on the first and goes, "Well, these aren't my sort of conditions." And then on the eighteenth, you walk off and go, "Oh, sixty-four. Yeah, and it's it's like I said, it's not my favourite conditions, and I know that before I go out there. Um, so it's very easy to kind of get down before you go out. You're like, "Oh, okay, it's windy. It's not going to be my day." But if you can go out there and enjoy the challenge, mm-hmm. um, like I said, no expectations. Yeah, you've look. You might surprise yourself. Um, but expectations are the killers for professional golfers. You shoot 64 one day, and then suddenly you expect the game to be easy the next day. And this game isn't like that. One day to the next, one afternoon to the next is is totally different. So um, you've just got to go out there, no expectations, know that you can compete with these players, um, and just take it one shot at a time. It's very boring to say that, but 
It's not rocket science. Cliches One shot at a time. For a reason, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's why they keep getting repeated. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's exactly right. Now, the big distraction this week, and everybody will ask you about it, and you'll be you'll speak to a lot of the media. You're very popular with the media because you're always very good and generous with your time. We do appreciate you taking the time today. You get asked about playing a tournament with the blokes. Should we be over that now? Should we just be used to that? It seems to be still the talking point every year. We all know it's a good thing, but should we still be making a big deal of it? Um, I mean, it's obviously been a massive success, the format of this event. Um, I mean, when, when Golf Victoria had this vision... 2013, I think it was, 2012. Um, when they had this idea, people might have looked them and looked at them and thought, this is crazy. It's never going to work. What do you mean might? People looked at them and said, you're clearly, you're nuts. Yeah. And look, it was, it was a risk at the time. Um, but the whole, the venue here, um, plays into its hands perfectly. It's the perfect venue for it. I think this was the making of it, finding the venue. Absolutely, yeah. I think it was yeah. 2013. The first one was up in suburban Melbourne. Yeah. The two golf courses, and it was good. The idea was good, but finding this, mm. this really works, doesn't it? You've got this oh, yeah. village. It's um, it's, the, it's the whole place here. It's 13th Beach, two great golf courses, good practice facilities. Everything's there ready. But there's just something about Barwon Heads here. Yeah. The whole town, the whole community get behind it. Um, and... Uh, you'll see on social media, all the players say this is their favourite event. And yes, there's so many factors that go towards that. Yes, it was the first event we played with the men, but it's, you can't explain it. It's just something about this whole place that makes it so special. Um, and, and yeah, it was a risk to do this, but I think, uh, uh, Simon Brookhouse and his team at Golf Victoria did a great job running it for, um, four or five years and then Golf Australia continued on the last couple of years and I'm just it's taken so long for this format to be replicated elsewhere in the world we had the Niles Niall Horan's tournament in Ireland is did you play in that I did play in it yep how was it uh yeah it was good there's I mean obviously first year there's going to be teething problems but I think it's got potential to be great but it's not the same as this it's just something special about it but I was surprised it took five years for somebody else to to, uh, replicate the format because it was just proven to be a massive success. In a game that serves up the same product week in and week out, and yeah. the fans constantly say, we'd like to see something different yeah. and interesting, it's, it's hard to figure out why, isn't and, it? And the fans, the spectators that come down here <laughs> have a great time, and the players write on social media, the fans write on social media. So why nobody replicated it in that time, I still have no idea. Um, it's probably no, You don't want to do it every week. No, There's no need for it every week, no. but a couple of times a year. Absolutely, and I think it's something that could uh, maybe events that are struggling. It's something that the organize that um, state organisations or, or national governing bodies could look to do. And um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to play a couple more a year. So hopefully, we can see more of it moving forward. The the playing with the blokes, I think that's obviously the big and obvious thing about this is different to me as a spectator. What makes this tournament the absolute best is being able to walk the fairways with the players. How have you found that? Because I'm sure that not all players like it. Most yeah, don't it's, see um, it very often. No, it's this is probably the. I, there's a couple of events where we do it, but um, there's only a couple of countries I think you can do it in. You can do it in Australia, and and I think you can do it in the UK because the the spectators are very respectful, so very knowledgeable. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's no point doing it in. I'm not going to name countries, but there's been a couple. Uh, in Europe where spectators are walking the fairways, mainly because there's no ropes because they're not expecting that many crowds. But uh-huh. there's the spectators picking clubs out of players' bags and Jesus. 
and it's <laughs> it, and that happens, and that doesn't happen here because fans are respectful of the players and and their space. There's a golf culture. Absolutely, golf is its own, and we forget as golfers because all of these things become second nature to yeah. us. Take a non-golfer to the golf way, and you'll see all of the things that you think, "Oh, I never even consider that anymore," yeah. because that's just yeah, picking <laughs> picking clubs out of players. But I can't remember who we had on here. Uh, somebody told a fantastic story about being at a an open qualifier at Walton Heath, and they were in a bunker, and there was <laughs> there was a spectator standing in the bunker behind him. <laughs> See, most most golf fans in the UK are knowledgeable. I'm not. I mean, there's always the the you odd know, exception. Like, you, you, if you don't know, you just don't know. Well, yeah. we know that Tiger used to get it when he played internationally in places like Germany and China. People just walk out onto the fields with their phones and yeah. stick it in his face and take photos. Be like, you can't do. That. No, there's a time and place for that. <laughs> time and place for everything. Uh, uh, amongst the other players, do you get much feedback about that? I would imagine it'd be off-putting for some. There might be some players who don't play the tournament for that reason. Yeah, there, yeah. There are some players you could not have a ropeless tournament. Tiger was in the field or Lexi and Michelle Wee and some of the bigger name high profile players, you really might not be able to do it. Yeah, and that was, that was uh, one of my worries when the LPGA uh, came on board last year that um, they were going to bring their rules into it and, and rope the fairways. But that, again, is part of what make this, makes this event as special as it is. And if you did that, you'd lose the whole, um, the whole vibe of the yeah. place. So I was really pleased when, when they, they, they let it go and I'm sure they weren't happy about that because – um, oh, they would have heard about it. So, well, that, exactly, <laughs> and that's one of their things. It. And some of the players that I spoke to after last year um, were surprised and pleasantly surprised. Uh, yeah, they were fine with it, but they were. It's not like they didn't know in advance. They were told they obviously just yeah, don't yeah. read fact sheets, which players don't read fact sheets. <laughs> that's a fact. Um, it's Caddy's job, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just <laughs> we just ask questions. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, look, there's like you said, there's probably a few players that don't play here because of that reason. Um, but their it's loss. their loss, yeah. so that's no problem at all. Yeah, indeed. Uh, what's going to unfold this week for you, Flick? How's your game? You're looking extremely fit, as I was Thank saying. You. I can see you wearing your Glenmuir shirt. Mention yeah, yeah. your sponsors. They, Absolutely. They give you all that money and all that stuff. That's yeah. it. Uh, no, Glenmuir have been giving me some clothing for a couple of years. So um, Now they've had to change all the sizes. Have you lost a bunch of weight, or am I imagining it? Oh, no, I've lost a little bit. Just been trying to – well, the, the thing, I, I have a bit of an off-season, sort of October, November. I go home, I work hard. Because I know Christmas is around the corner and I know Australia's around the corner when the exercise and the diet and the lack of alcohol goes out the window. So I have to work hard in advance for these few weeks. Preventative um, measures. Is absolutely, yeah. Otherwise, it's just not going to end well. So, no, I mean, I've been home for, uh, yeah, kind of two or three months, the end of the year, and um, done some work with a, a golf PT to try and maximize whatever I can do to get the most out of my career. Is that a first for um, you? Uh, golf specific, yeah, I guess it is. Um, yeah, so I've been working with Ray for a couple of months and lots of squats, lots of deadlifts. It's all the stuff that you see on Instagram. It's all is true. Is it as boring and painful as it looks? Uh, yeah, it's not something <laughs> I enjoy. I mean, I, I go to the gym most days when I'm home and people think that I must enjoy it because I go there all the time, but I don't. That's just, it's, I guess it's part of the job. Um, it's not something I enjoy, but I guess if you can see the benefits in your golf game, um, it's worth it. And so seeing the benefits in your golf game? Um, yeah, I mean, start of the year. So I've uh, been out here for a couple of weeks playing the ALPG programs. Um, haven't set the world alight, but it's been it's been kind of trending in the right direction. Um, shot five under and laid after the first round at Ballarat um, in the rain, so it must have made me feel quite at home. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, the wind got up on Sunday, and I finished seventh, so um, it was fine. It's it's all just about getting some, uh, some tournament play, some – Playing with a card in your hand, it's obviously a bit different yeah. to just having a knock around with your mates. 
So, uh, yeah, no, it's got four tournaments in a row now out here. We've got uh, here, then the Open at Royal Adelaide next week, and then Bonneville. And then Dubbo for the New South Wales Open. It's a fair mix, isn't it? Yeah, there's a few, <laughs> there's a, a few varieties. To Dubbo, I can yeah. Um, so it's look, it's it's obviously great to be out here. It's great that the the LET have got a couple of events out here um, again, and I'm just looking forward to getting getting going. It's I say it's my favourite event, and it's just a great place it's a to nice be. Nice way to start there, isn't it? Just on that fitness, where do you sort of see the benefits? We know that there's some, particularly amongst the blokes, there's a lot of specific exercises and strength work to increase distance because it's the game at that level has become yeah. very much about distance. Is it the same for you or do you, is it more about uh, endurance and being less fatigued at the end of it? A 72-hole golf tournament is a long, physically demanding thing to be a part of. Where's recreational golf? I think it's fantastic. We'd play golf every day if we could. But yeah. when you play for a living, the mental exertion and the physical exertion of 72 holes, uh, you need to be pretty fit, don't you? Yeah, especially we're in this – so we've got four weeks in a row, mm. so – there's a lot of traveling. There's a lot of golf involved um, during those four weeks. So if you can step up on the 18th tee on a Sunday afternoon and feel the same as you did on the first tee on a Thursday, that's why I do it. Um, I don't need to be a marathon runner. I don't need to be able to run for 26 miles, but I want to feel the same as I the same on a Thursday as I do on a Sunday. So yeah, endurance. Um, so you do that, like the squats and the the deadlifts to create power in the right areas. And I'm no I'm no expert on it, but I just know the basics that I need to do that. And um, so, yeah, hopefully, it'll, hopefully, it'll pay dividends these few weeks and and uh, the season moving forward. Yeah. Not to be impolite, flick, but it's the reality for all of us. The clock only ever ticks forward, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It never turns back. Yeah, you so all you can do is, uh, is try and make easier? the most. The answer is no. Isn't no, it? no. All we can do is try and make the most of uh, of the talent or the opportunities we have. Um, I'm not going to be a professional golfer forever, so. If I can make the most of uh, the opportunities I have playing 20, 30 tournaments a year, um, I'd like to do that for the next few years and see what I can do with the game. Then turn your hand to broadcasting and podcasting. Yeah. Job offers in Australia are welcome. Uh, How do you feel about all that sort of stuff? Not all players are comfortable with what we're doing here. You are. Is that just dumb luck, genetics? or? Uh, Yeah, I mean, talking about golf, it's, it's something I can do pretty well. I know a lot about golf and I'm pretty good at talking, so you put the two together. Uh, it's pretty easy. Um, but I mean, yeah, I've been in, I've been a professional golfer for 12, 13 years. So I'd like to think I've got a bit of knowledge and some experience that might be able to help, um, grow the game. Um, as I do some work with the Golf Foundation back home and I'm, I'm an ambassador for them. So some work's understating it, isn't it? You do a lot of work, don't you? I, yeah. And it, but I enjoy it. It's, um, if, I mean, I was, I started playing golf when I was five and I was had a lot of great opportunities as a, as a junior golfer. So if I can turn up somewhere, people might not know who I am, but if they see it's a professional golfer, it's exciting. And I try and think if when I was their age, I'd have loved having a professional golfer come and speak to me for an hour or play a couple of holes or do a clinic. So if I can help out and do that in any way, um, I'm going to, and uh, it's very rewarding. And you see the kids have a smile on their face, and until you crush them in a chipping competition. Yeah, I mean, you got to the real joy. Absolutely, isn't it? <laughs> you can't. You've got to. This, this game is pretty tough. You've got to teach them that at an early age. Um, so it's look, and if I yeah, if I can help juniors, if I can do a podcast like this, and it's good fun. I enjoy it, and I say we're not a professional golfer forever. So 
if it was going to lead to more opportunities uh, down the line, then I'd be stupid not to uh, not to take them. Yeah. If anyone's not sure who you are, just point to your bag. It's got your name on exactly. it. Exactly. They don't hand those out, do they? You've <laughs> got to earn those. Well, you can actually get them done these days, I think, but who would unless nah. they play professional golf? You mentioned the LET there. We've had a good, strong relationship with the LET here in Australia the last few years, uh, a lot of events. The LPGA now co-sanctions this one and the Australian Open, but the LPGA and the LET are now working much more closely together. There was a big announcement early in January. Yeah. Tell us about that. I know you're heavily involved in the LET as a player and its future direction. Both yourself and Meg McLaren are probably two of the more vocal supporters of the LET uh, and you've given a lot of time and energy to making it the best tour it can be. The fear is the LPGA has taken over the LET. Is that what's happened? No, it's uh, it's a collaboration. Um, it's, it's pretty common knowledge that the LET has been struggling for a few years. When the LPGA uh, put this proposal to us at the end of last year for the players, it was a no-brainer. Um, it's a great deal. Um, f- f- from a player's point of view, it's a great deal. Um, what is the deal for those who might not have for, Yeah, for those, it's – we've um, already we've got seven new tournaments. It's um, a three – Seven, seven yeah. tournaments is an extraordinary achievement. And that was kind of in about – Eight weeks of yeah. uh, of talks between uh, between Mike Wine and between Alex Armas, the two CEOs of the tour, um, and I think once once federations and organisations within Europe heard the LPGA and the LET were talking, they were making phone calls to the LET saying, "Look, if this goes through, we'd love to be a part of it." Because the job Mike Wine's done with the LPGA is remarkable. Um, they weren't in a dissimilar situation to the LET 10, 12 years ago when he took over. Um, so he's not going to get involved in anything. There's going to be a failure. He's got a great reputation. So this deal, it, it, this collaboration, it's going to succeed. Um, so once once people heard Mike was involved and the LPJ were involved, they wanted to be a part of it. And for the LET, that was been massive because we haven't had that for a few years. So we're gonna we've got new tournaments in a couple in Sweden, in Switzerland, um, Holland, Belgium, and the thing that's been lacking from the LET schedule the last few years is events in Europe. Uh, when I joined the tour in 2007, I think we had, say, 26 events, and 25 of those were in Europe. Um, so obviously your expenses are going to be less. It's going to be easier traveling. You can fly home on a Sunday, fly out on a Tuesday. And that's, that's what we miss. So for all those new events to be in Europe is, uh, is great for the players. And I think it's been a real shame the last few years, the rookies and the youngsters that have joined the tour haven't had the opportunities that I did, um, when I was a rookie. Some have had to have. Part-time job. Absolutely, yeah. Mates of mine have, have been working in bars, working in restaurants. Mm. And if you're doing that, then you you can't be putting everything into your golf to make the most of it. So, And in a game as competitive as golf, yeah, that and cycle pretty quickly. Yeah, with how, with how strong women's golf is at the moment um, within Europe, you're not going to be able to play it to the best of your ability. So hopefully that can be – people don't have to do that anymore. And you can call it a job because I've been fortunate enough. I play all the smaller field, the limited field events – I've always finished high enough to get into all of those. So I've played 16, 17, 18 tournaments, which still isn't many and not enough to, uh, to call a job. That's why I was kind of poking around for, for jobs in the next couple of years because I couldn't go on just playing those few events. I was, what, 32. But you can't amass enough as a retirement fund no. because it's costing you to do the travel and everything. Yeah, well, exactly. So. It's, uh, when you're traveling to Thailand for a week and you're traveling to China for a week or India for a week, it's not cheap and, yeah, we might have we've got some good events, but it just wasn't a job. It almost just feels like you're playing at it a little bit. Um, so I'd started to ask questions about um, opportunities within the within the industry, but 
now the schedule is looking as good as it is. Um, and I think it's only going to get better the next few years. I can just focus on my golf and, um, and not have to do that, which is, which is great. And so I'm really looking forward to the, the collaboration, see where it goes. Yeah. As I understand it, so you'll have a series of events that are almost like a qualifi- qualifying event so that some players will graduate each year from the LET to the LPJ. So it's, it's like a feeder tour. Huh? Yeah. I think for, for this year, there's going <clears> to be, um, the top five on the money list will get straight through to Q series. Uh, which in itself is is a great opportunity if that's what a player wants to do. Um, and hopefully moving forward, um, the top five or however many it might be can get full access to the um, to the LPGA. So, yes, I get in that respect, it is a feeder, but, uh, but it also gives us enough playing opportunities just to play in Europe. Not everybody wants to play in America. Um, I've played in America, but I have no ambitions to do it again. Um, I'm quite happy playing in Europe, traveling home each week, and there's players like Florentina Parker who have no no ambitions to play in, in uh, America, but now they have the opportunity to to play enough events in Europe to earn a living again. Yeah. Um, yes, but for the it's only going to help the LET because we've lost so many players to Symmetra Tour the last few years. Mm. Um, they can now stay in Europe, which they, they haven't all wanted to, go to wanted to go to America, but they've had no choice because our schedule has been so poor. But now they can play a full schedule in Europe and still get access to the LPGA. So uh, Symmetra might not go as deep, but there's going to be more American players, which is great for that tour. There's going to be more Europeans playing in Europe. So it's I think it's going to be a win-win for everybody. The rising tide lifts all boats. Will we see, do you think, more American players making the journey to Europe as a pathway back to America? Uh, they, they might do, but I think a lot of those, they'll go to college, graduate when they're 21, 22, and they're quite happy to play some extra tour. They can drive around to the events and, um, there might be the odd one that comes to Europe, but it's, they, they don't really enjoy the culture in Europe all that much. They're quite happy to stay in America and, and do that. So it's, look, it's an opportunity if they wanted to, um, and would welcome them with open arms, but I think they'll probably just stick to the States, but it, it'll be great for Australian golfers as well. Um, when I joined the tour, there was a dozen, 20 Australians playing out on tour. But there's not been as many recently because it's such a long way to travel for two weeks and then you might have six weeks off and a couple of weeks on and off. It just doesn't work. So if we can have a more consistent schedule in Europe, hopefully we can bring more Australians back to Europe because they all have a great time when they come over, but we've lost so many to Symmetra recently. Access is probably the most difficult thing about professional golf in this day and age. You talk to guys who played in the 70s and the 80s, you go to Europe, you just Monday qualify, you only need to shoot 76, you get into the tournament make the cut you get into the tournament for the next week that's not the case anymore we know that men's golf is uber competitive just to find a spot to play and women's golf's become more and more the same hasn't it so a tour a tour that has seven extra tournaments that's more places for people to have a chance to earn to play the system still filters out the best only the best will make it Mm. You, you won't have second tier players making it but it gives young players an opportunity to play a schedule that allows their game to develop yeah, because if you're just playing one tournament a month, you're not going to be, you can't get any momentum. And I'd rather play six tournaments in a row, eight tournaments in a row, which a lot of the LPGA players will play three and take a week off because they might That's get a tired. They can and afford, though. One day yeah. you might get to that in LET and that'd be fantastic. Yeah, it'd be great to have that again. Um, because before we did have that, we could, we could pick and choose, but, um, I think the next couple of years we could be back to that sort of situation. But it's, look, at the end of the day, the best player is going to win each week. Um, 
and hopefully the top fo- the the top ones on the money list if they want to go to America in the future they can do and they'll represent the LET really well because because there's some great players on that tour yeah indeed and well we know who's we know who holds the Solheim Cup don't we not that we need to rub that in this week with the LPGA being in town though if it comes up you have to mention you have to I mean it. yeah I mean and if it came up it's you, uh, I, you never get tired of mentioning <laughs> that Europe won it again um, I think the event needed it so it was great that that, that in Europe all seriousness did. it, it kind of didn't matter what the result was in the end that week like the President's Cup. It was a fantastic battle, a great competition, and that's what they need to be. It ultimately doesn't matter who wins or doesn't, as long as they're good contests. Yeah, if it gets too one-sided, then obviously it's, it kind of loses its uh, its spark. And Well, they wanted to cancel the President's Cup half the fans after the one in New York because it was over on Saturday night. Yeah, Adam Anley here, he birdied the last three holes in his match just to make sure that they had to play on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, that's not great for the event, but uh, yeah, both of, the, both of those team events last year had um, fantastic finishes and... I think, I mean, the players love it because they don't get to play much team golf. So when you do get to represent, um, represent a team, they're going to thoroughly enjoy it. And mm. if it's going to be tense through to the final match, it's even better for the spectators yeah, as well. That's exactly what you want. And for the players ultimately. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Sure it's not much fun at the time, but I'm sure you look back on it if you've. Yeah, I mean, looking back, it's going to be great. And look, if you don't want to be in that situation on a Sunday afternoon when it comes down to your match, then you there's something wrong with you because that's what we play it job. for. Absolutely. <laughs> it's great fun. The stands. There's some of the good, and, and it's fantastic, some good and positive things that are happening with women's golf. What are we still not getting right? We've still got this enormous discussion about gender and gender equality and pay gaps, and Meg's been very vocal about it, Meg McLaren, and you've been vocal about it when we've asked you and prodded you about it. Are we getting better? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a very slow process, but I think the, the gaps are, um, are shrinking gradually. Um, did you play in Jordan last year in that? I did. Event? Yeah, it was a great tournament. Um, so for those who don't so it was know, the yeah the Stayshore Challenge which is the and tour, the Challenge Tour yeah and the yeah. and the Ladies Tour and they'd mathematically mapped out the tees to make it. Yeah, it was. It, look, it was. It, I wouldn't have wanted to set the course up that week. It was it looked like it would have taken a lot of brain power, but it was set up great. All the three tours worked together really well. Did a great job. Um, it's not on the schedule this year for whatever reason, but I thought it worked really well. And we've got a, a similar event this year in uh, in Sweden that um, Annika and Henrik Stenson are, are hosting uh, this summer. And it's, uh, again, a mix of male, fe- uh, European tour, men and women, so that both European tours working together uh, in one event. There'll be one leaderboard, one winner. And it, look, if... That really is... Well, it's innovative, but it's high risk too. It's the massively, Jordan event yeah. was the same. You were playing for, I don't know, Meg went to the last hole with a yeah. chance in Jordan and ultimately it was the young bloke from the Challenge Tour, I think, won the event. So. Yeah, and it was, and if you looked at the numbers, it was all very equal as to um, the, distribution the number from each tour that made the cut. So yeah. it, it, they did a great job, um, but it's I've, it's not a job that I would want. It's so hard to, to get it right, but I'm sure they will do this summer and Again, it's not what you want to do every week, but there's no reason why we can't have a couple of tournaments like that. And I think it's, it'll be great for ladies golf because we get to almost piggyback off the men's tour. And if we can be part of one of their events, it's going to, they, we can showcase the Europe, the ladies tours talents. Um, and players get more exposure and TV time, which is what the tour needs. So it's going to be really good in so many different ways. Do the men lose? We seem to have this binary approach where if we help the women, then we must be losing, that there's only a net pool of this. So, therefore, if we give some to the women, then we yeah. lose. Is that true, do you think? Oh, I mean, it probably is because um, there won't be as many men in the field as a regular um, European tour event. 
but they have enough. There's enough tournaments for them. It's not like they only have four or five tournaments. They've got, I don't know how many, 30, 40 tournaments. So just to do it once for the good of the game, they, they can't complain about that. Um, again, it's the RNA and the European Tour have also kind of collaborated with the LET and the LPGA. So I think the whole of the golf world realizes that everyone needs to get better at recognizing, um, the women's tour and the women's uh, women as golfers, because there's no reason why we can't be on an equal playing field. You see what tennis has done; they play two sets less, but they play for the same money, which is amazing. Um, if we can just get a fraction of um, the success that that's had, I think we'll be going in the right direction. There's a lot of threads to this furball, obviously. And every time you pull one here, mm. one over there is affected. We all understand market forces. There's a smaller market at this stage to watch women's golf more broadly than to watch men's, and I think most people understand that. But is the gap as big as what those uh, purses suggest? And I think that's a more fundamental question that's broader than necessarily yeah, it's, just golf. Yeah, and look, we're, we're not stupid. We know that more more people want to watch men's golf on TV than women's. That's just a fact. It's, it's just how it, how it is. And look, I would probably w- rather watch men's golf than ladies because it's – it's fun watching Rory bomb at 350, and, but not all the time. For your average golfer, the ladies' game is so much more uh, relatable and realistic. They get to compare their games. If we hit a six iron from 160, they're like, oh, yeah, that's me, and it's, it's more comparable for them. So if we can just get a little more TV time, it can do so much for the game. And I, I just think small steps this year that we're going to have are going to make a massive difference. And... I think that the LET needed some, um, probably needed some belief and it probably lost a bit of, uh, a bit of its reputation within the, within the industry. But now with the LPJ on board and the RNA and the European tour, it's going to make a massive difference very quickly. Mm, you can feel the buzz amongst the Yeah, players. absolutely. They are, they are all in on it. How do you find your fellow male professionals when you come across them? And, and as I understand it, it's not as often as we might think <laughs> as players that you don't come across them much. How do they? How did they treat? How did it go at, at Jordan, for example? Yeah, I mean, it's not. I don't know many of the the male players. Growing up as a as an England international, it was all very separate. It was like male training camps here, female training camps here. Heaven forbid that we practice together. Um, yeah, very frowned who knows upon. What might happen? No, got to be very segregated. Mm. Um, but I I think the guys enjoy it as much as we do. Um, that's changed at that level too, hasn't it? Now the squads tend to be yeah, absolutely. Very much me. I know that's the case here in Australia. Yeah, and, and definitely the same back home. The squads are a lot more integrated, and um, they work together a lot more. So you, so the newer the newer players on tour, the younger players, do have the rapport with the male players, and they've grown up together. So, so if you can travel um, with some different mates, and you get to play practice rounds with them out on the out on the course. Yesterday, there was lots of mixed groups mm-hmm. and. Why wouldn't you? If if you don't get the chance to see each other very often, as we don't, the tours are so separate, you, you don't see each other very often. So for this week to have the chance to play um, play together, I saw on social media this morning, Anne Van Dam played um, with the Dutch guys yesterday, and it's great. What is the problem with play- men and women playing golf together? If you're a golfer and you don't want to play golf with Anne Van Dam, there's something wrong with you because that swing, you could put that on repeat. Yeah, I've watched that a few times, yeah. Uh, time after time after time. I suppose the goal of all of this at the end of the day, and I think this probably happens to a lot of male golfers eventually, they have a daughter and they suddenly realise 
the pathway into golf is just not as open for them as it is for their sons. Mm-hmm. And that's when the realisation hits, when it suddenly affects them. So what do we as a game do if we accept that we want more girls to play golf? And I think most of us do. There's mm-hmm. a portion that always will think that they shouldn't, but let's put them aside for a moment. What do we do? Because as a young girl, if you look at all the sporting options available and all the recreation options, I don't think golf would be very high for most. No, if you look back home, uh, women's sport has gone from strength, strength to strength. The, like the England soccer team got to the semi-finals of the World Cup last year. Um, the cricketers are doing great. Um, here in Australia, we've got the AFLW and the cricket yep. both going very, very well as well. Yeah. And this women's golf was in real danger of getting left behind. Um, if we didn't do something, mm-hmm. it's tough because the, it's great that, that kids have the opportunity to play so many sports. Um, which is what you want growing up. You want to have a go at every sport, but if golf isn't there, they're going to get it's going to get missed at. They can't choose it. No, if they don't get the opportunity, you can't do it. So um, it's it's in a few more school curriculums now. Um, with like the tri golf, the plastic clubs, um, at least kids can have an opportunity to have a go. Um, like the golf foundation goes into schools and and does some great work, but it's it's making it more accessible because uh, it's it's golf's always had that elitist. Um, reputation and it doesn't need to be you can pick up a set of clubs for under a bucks off ebay and off you go so it's just about giving kids the opportunities so i think golf as a whole needs to do more to make it more accessible um so whether that's club pros going into schools more which i know there's a lot of pros that do a lot of good stuff fantastic stuff but it needs every pro to do that every pro at every club to go into or whether it's the assistant run a school program and, and take it to the masses because that's what other sports are doing. Um, whether it's a sports festival, golf has to be a part of that. So otherwise, they're not going to get the opportunity and we're going to have a lot of great cricketers, great tennis players, but there's going to be a, a real miss in the golf industry. Mm. Of course, one of the great advantages of golf is that most sports people in other sports play golf yeah, in, it's, in their off time. We could really use that. I know at least yeah. Perry is a can go over uh, what's it, Healy. Yeah, Lisa Healy. There's yeah, seen her. Golf's she's, almost. She, you don't want her turning pro. Trust me. She's no, too, she's already too good. She, she plays most sports well, I reckon. Yeah. But golf's almost cool at the moment. If you see all these these celebrities and and top sports stars playing it, I mean Ash Barty, obviously a cricketer, tennis player. From what I'm told, she's a great te- a great golfer as well. She's getting a little annoying, frankly, isn't she? She's one of those people that you don't <laughs> like because they're just good at everything. But I think she's very hard to dislike because she's a, a rip of a girl. From what I'm told. But it's if if kids can see on Instagram and Twitter that that their idols are playing golf, it's great for the game. I mean, you've got like Justin Timberlake has his tournament in uh, in the states, and it's just making it cool because, like I said, it's not always had that reputation, and it it is pretty cool. It's a great game. Um, it's we a don't game sell it that way, though, do we? No, no. It's but it's a game we you can play with any age, any ability. I mean, I'm no tennis player. If I was to play tennis against a professional. I probably wouldn't even see the ball, let alone hit it. But I can play golf as a professional against a 28 handicapper and have a match. That's that's what I think golf doesn't sell well enough, that any age, any ability can have a competitive match. Mm. I wonder where that goes wrong. You look Because we're all in golf, and like we talked about before, we forget all the stuff that we know about golf just because it's second nature to us. It's a very daunting environment for a non-golfer to walk into, isn't it? Mm. The very first time, and the way we do it, in golf is not that bright. Come and play golf. Here's the first hole. Squint. That's the hole down there. You've got four shots to get it in. Good luck. Yeah, and, <laughs> and 
when I, I grew up, I started to play golf when I was very young. I was five five years old. And the first time I went on a course was a pitch and putt. Every hole is 80 meters or less. And that's what it needs. That's what golf doesn't have enough facilities. Um, Do we encourage fun enough? I feel like the the image we present to the world with golf is very serious. It's professionals playing for big, important tournaments and lots of money. And that's true. And that is, once you're a golfer, that is good. But I feel like we don't see enough of the fun of golf. So you talked before about the pitching green and the chipping green and just mm-hmm. spending hours there. Because we don't show how much fun that's. So the European Tour has been doing a great job, I think, with their social media. They had the oh, their content's fantastic, the, uh, yeah. Beef and Victor Hovland and pulling a ball out of the bag. Right, the next shot has to be played with this club. Yeah, that's what kids do. Yeah, and and it. You don't really see the golfers. You, you see golfers on a golf course, and they're very serious. Can be very dour and maybe a, a little angry. But the European Tour's done a great job of showcasing personalities. Every golfer is a human being and has a personality. Um, granted, some are better than others, but you need to get to know the person. Um, so yeah, the, if you can create interesting content, um, it's it's just going to make the game more relatable and accessible to. Like the digital age, mm. uh, the millennials, they're on their phones all the time, want to see fun stuff because there's so much content online. If it's not interesting, you, you know, watch it for 10 seconds and you're going to skip to the next video. So it needs to be interesting. And like the the 14 Club Challenge, the European Tour has been doing and um, hitting the beer bottle in the air, anything like that. Anything that's different is, is what golf needs to make it more interesting. Mm. You're of an age that's more immersed in that. Uh, digital world mm-hmm. than I am, probably less so than people younger than you, who for whom a landline could be a foreign notion, yep. a, a notion of a, yeah, what's a phone thing? that sits in the house. And yet golf continues to be run that people who look like me, middle-aged and ageing white blokes who grew up in a club culture mm. in the 80s and 90s that was very different. Uh, is it just a generational thing, partly? You've got to tip your hat to the European Tour. And in fairness, you've got to give a brick bat to the PGA Tour, whose social media presence is woeful at best. Yeah, I don't actually know if they have a presence. I don't think I've ever watched a video from the PGA Tour. Um, it's just very... Bland. Run-of-the-mill bland, exactly. Here's Dustin Johnson hitting a driver with the tracer. Yay. So exciting. It's great. But you know it, what I want to do? I'm going to listen to Dustin Johnson hit a driver. Yeah. Take away the picture and let me hear it. Now, that yeah. might be Yeah, that's different altogether. But it's a, it lacks creativity, doesn't it? Yeah. Important, I guess the question is, how important is that in a world going forward? And there's probably experts in this area, but, but your feeling. I don't spend any time on Instagram. I do a lot of Twitter. I don't do any Facebook. How important are those vehicles for the next generation of golfers to make them aware of the game mm-hmm. and to be able to sell them the things that we're talking about? Yeah, and say golf's always had that stigma of, like you said, middle-aged white guys – um, I look like a golfer. This is what people think a golfer looks like. <laughs> but it, it, it is it is slowly changing in the right direction. Um, people, are, that, that creativity is is key to everything now, and that's obviously the social media side of things. It's having it's been able to have a bit of fun with it. Um, it's trying to break down barriers and change the stigma of golf. Um, and I think over the next probably ten years, there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of changes within the industry. In terms of who's running the tournaments, who's running events, um, it, like going back to this event, it was a risk, but it works. People have got to be willing to take a risk. Yes, it's not going to work every time, but have a bit of fun with it. Let's see what we can do with this game because it's great and it needs to be out in the in the in the world more. Because otherwise, 
not enough people are going to realize what this game has to offer. So whether that's by better, better marketing, um, more creativity, whatever it is, it's, it's coming. It's just a very slow process to kind of fade out the, Me. the older, <laughs> the older generation that, that are kind of stuck in their ways. A golf club is running a certain way and heaven forbid we change. Every people get rid of a committee. Everyone loves a committee at a golf club, but there's just no need for um, a greens committee, a house committee, a function committee. They're just there's no need, and the sooner golf clubs can get rid of those sort of thing and have less people with opinions, because everyone's got an opinion and it's always right. Um, it's, and it's great that it, it, committees are often. Um, Older people, retired, got lots of time. And it's great that they want to give up their time, but they're not always experts in that industry. In fact, they're rarely, let's be honest. Uh, yeah. You don't, need, um, you don't need a bus driver trying to run a kitchen. It just doesn't work. Um, and I mean, every golf club has examples like that, and that's the same the world over. So the, the, less, commi- the less committees, the better, just to help the game moving forward. Yeah. The best committee, they say, is a three-person committee. With two away sick, <laughs> that's very true. And then you can get yeah. things done. <laughs> yeah, if you have if you have experts in the right positions, mm-hmm. a golf club's going to succeed. Yeah, yeah, it's a double edged sword. This digital world, isn't it? Because thirty years ago, if you wanted to put something in the public marketplace, you had to buy some space from mainstream media, television, radio, newspapers, magazines. You bought some space in those, and that would get you to your market. Now you don't have that barrier. You can create all of the content you want. So that seems fantastic. Except that you're going to pour it into a pool of content that is so much bigger than it's ever oh. been that getting people to find it yeah. might be the harder. Uh, not asking for sort of in-house, but broadly speaking, do you see, does the LET, for example, have a social media and digital strategy aiming to tap into these for the longer term at this stage? And are they some of the things you talk about amongst players and player meetings? The players have got – the players are very powerful because they've got followers mm-hmm. in, in that area, and that's important and it's good. But the organisations themselves need to be active in that space, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I think the LET's um, social media presence is pretty good. Um, we have Elliot goes with us each week, does that presence. And it's hard to think that someone has a job just for social media, just to tweet and do Instagram videos about golfers. But it's what every organization has it's it's essential it's one that the most important job that should be that could be one of the first positions yeah because if without that presence no one knows you exist um and like you said it's having a bit of fun with it and i think if if you don't have that presence the tour the organization will get left behind um and like i said it's just having a bit of fun bit of creativity uh with that and the players are great. The players really get on board, and um, I think the women more so are probably better at um, showcasing the tour. And if if we get asked to do different features, different um, different content, or we jump at it, we're like, yeah, sure, that's great. Because it's great for us as well. It's great for our brand. It's ultimately it's all about yeah <laughs> making a better feature absolutely. Stuff, and it? and if if we can have a better brand, the tour's going to have a better brand. So the two things go hand in hand. So. We try and come up with content as well, but I'm not the most imaginative person in the world. But if someone said to me, do this, I'd be like, yeah, sure, that sounds great. Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, and it, I think that the more players are involved, we can create the content 
that we want to showcase and it's going to work for the tour and, and the players themselves. Yeah. Don't, don't feel too bad. I'm sure that your flop shot's better than Elliot's as well. So oh, if definitely, everybody continues definitely to play is. to their strengths, yeah. then we're all doing Absolutely. the right thing. Brings us neatly to, and you probably don't know an enormous amount about this, there's probably no reason why you should, but we've seen the rumours in the last couple of weeks. In fact, they've become more than rumours. They've gone public. There's a group who'd like to start a world golf tour for the men called the Premier Golf League. Fairly simple concept. Less players, more money. More money for those who do play. There seems to be some feeling among some of the top players that they don't get the share of the pie they're entitled to. Nobody's suggesting that any of the top players are struggling, but the numbers aren't really important if you're talking about principle and and what they feel. Have you had a chance to see what any of that's about? And what are your sort of initial thoughts on that? We've just been talking about the importance of the the tour as a vehicle for the players. Are we we seeing here the end result of a tours tours that have done their job too well and now created a product that somebody else wants to come and steal? Yeah, I mean, if 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 the guys aren't happy playing for seven million every week, then or some of the weeks in the Rolex events, then I'm not sure what they should do next. Because I mean, yeah, money is the dictator here, um, and the top players are always going to want to earn more money. You do have a shelf life in golf, so I I get that they want to earn as much money as they can. and while they have the opportunity, but I think it's a little um, short-sighted if if this does if this does take uh, forty-eight players. They're forty-eight. 48 okay, forty-eight players. Is <laughs> that this, even a competition? I wonder. No, it's like one of your Tiger Limited field. Invite your mates along. Um, if it does come to fruition, I think it will really hurt. Um, obviously, both tours, PGA Tour and, and European Tour, it's going to really affect their brand because if suddenly they can't offer the best players. Why is the sponsor going to be involved? Um, which is then going to have a detrimental effect for the players, not in this 48-man shootout, whatever it might be. So, like, I'm sure it will happen in, in, in some respect. doesn't sound like a great idea. Is it? I, no. I'm, I, can't, I just can't buy into it. I can see some of the points that are being made, but I can't get beyond the fact that if you funnel everything up to a smaller and smaller and smaller group, then eventually you completely lose touch with what created that in the first place. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's um, there's companies that want to be involved in this and, and uh, I've got the money to put into it, but, yeah, it'll really hurt the, the rest of the game. Um, it'll come – you'll have your, your top 48, whether it's world rankings that get into it however they want to do it, but <laughs> – They don't want the world rankings. What they want is the players to put bums on seats. There might actually not be 48 of them is the truth of it. Yeah. There might be – Closer to ten, yeah. Uh, in fairness, so I, I think there's some issues about that. You've neatly raised a topic that I did want to talk to you about. This is the last thing I want to talk to you about. This is a big issue. I didn't give you any pre-warning of this, so apologies for that. The money for this Premier Golf League seems to be coming predominantly from Saudi Arabia, and we know that Saudi Arabia, for the last couple of years, has been very keen on this notion of sports washing. They call it, where they spend a lot of money to bring some big sporting events to Saudi Arabia. The idea being that that papers over the cracks of the human rights issues that we know are a reality there. The LET is going to Saudi Arabia soon. The European Tour were just there this week. Meg's already said she's not going to go to Saudi Arabia. I don't think she came out to parade that. She was asked about that and had to give a response. Is that something you give thought to? I feel like the players are trapped in an awkward spot. For Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson, there's no need for them to go to Saudi Arabia. You know that they're going for an appearance fee. For the players from 100 down in the field there from the European Tour, they're going to Saudi Arabia because they need the money. They need to work. So there's very, two very different things at play, and I feel there's probably – I'm probably giving you an out here. I think the same is probably true for the women. 
Is it something you think about? Can you afford to make a moral stand and not go financially? Yeah, I mean, it is just one event. Um, it's a, a very big prize fund for us. I think it's a million uh, US, or I can't remember what it is actually off my head, but it's it's one of our biggest prize it's funds. It's small. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not a short change. Um, and I respect why Meg's not going. Um, but for me, I'm a professional golfer. Um, I've been given an opportunity to work that week, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go there. Um, none of the players obviously support uh, what goes on behind the scenes in Saudi. Um, but if we can go there for a week, if we can run, if we can get involved with some junior initiatives, some female initiatives, we can only make a positive stance. Um, so that's my view of it. If I can go there, if we can get some um, some women there and just show them golf, show them um, sport, show them what we do, that's that can be our that can be what we achieve from the week, our legacy from the week. Is it naive to think that that's possible? Uh, I'd like to think it's possible. Um, I don't know what's been arranged for the week uh, initiative-wise, but there might not be anybody there. I mean, looking at the spectators that were there um, or not there this weekend. So did, did you say this? Yeah, there, not or? there was probably more the case. But look, all, all we can do is try. If we don't go, we don't know what we don't know what we could have done. Um, is how I like to look at it. It might be naive, but I like to try and think we can make an impact in every country we go to on the European tour. Your opinion might change after this year when you've been there too. Who knows? You Absolutely. That you don't want to go there. Yeah. No, I'm, look, I've, it's a new country I've never been to. Uh, I'm interested to go and see what it's like. I'm curious to see how it is. That nexus of sport and politics, should we even be talking about it? I think it's fair to raise the point. Um, I think it's definitely fair to, to be having the conversation. Uh, but sport can play a massive part in people's lives. Um, yeah, probably naive to think it's going to reach the masses in Saudi, but um, let's see what we can do and then see what the future holds for it. I'm sure that you also accept that you're going to be shown a side of Saudi Arabia that's very curated, that you're yeah. going to see what they want you to see. Absolutely. That's We're not- also true in China yep. and in Dubai and in other countries in the Middle East. And in fact, let's be completely honest, in probably less obvious ways, it's true in places like Australia. Yeah, everywhere. they You get shown what what the the tourism industry wants you to see, yeah. Um, which yeah, it's it's very manufactured, but it's it's the way of the world. Mm. Yeah, the world's too big a place for the likes of you and us, you and me, to figure it out. Flick, we can only do our best and muddle through. Absolutely, I don't get paid enough for that. <laughs> yeah, well, not yet. Brings us neatly back to this week. What can we expect from Flick Johnson this week? And again next week. I imagine you've played Royal Adelaide before. Is it a course that suits your eye and your game? Uh, yeah, I was there a couple of years, uh, three years ago now. Um, more practice greens than I've ever seen anywhere, and that's just on the drive from the gate to the clubhouse. Yeah, it's pretty impressive the there, range. actually, yeah. Um, it'll be nice to get back there next week, um, familiarise myself with the place. Um, I like to think since I was last there, my game has improved, it's developed, a um, bit more imagination, a few more shots in the armoury. Um, so, look, like we said, expectations is a killer, so... Going to go in there with uh, with obviously self-belief. I can go there and win. We're not expecting to win. If I can just go there and execute each shot half as I intend, um, it'll be a good couple of weeks. And, yeah, looking forward to this week especially. When you do win, are you going to go back to America and play the LPGA? comes with a card, of course. It does. Put you, I mean... Put you in a position, won't it? You've already said you're happy in Europe. Yeah, I'm very happy in Europe, but it would be nice to, to pick and choose a few events maybe. Um, yeah, it's, it, yeah, of course. Everybody... If you want to be the best you can, you have to try America. And I did that, and I have no regrets about doing it, but it's it wasn't for me. Like, a lot of Europeans have found the same thing. It's different culture. It's been away from home. But the facilities, the tournaments are fantastic. So, 
I'd be stupid not to accept it and just go and play a few events where I like to go. Yeah. What do they say about America? And I said, uh, two, two cultures separated by a common language. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a unique place. Um, it's the best and worst of everything, America. Absolutely. I mean, it's you can you can go to Walmart and buy literally anything. Uh, but look, it has a lot of great things to offer as well. But it's uh, it just wasn't home for me. So quite happy coming back to Australia for a couple of months, spending some time in Europe. And you're going to move here. Uh, Do you think you'll retire here? I mean, this quite seriously. Is there a chance? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, it's, it's somewhere I really enjoy coming. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely something I think about. Um, I mean, it's not ideal when you're playing golf because it's obviously so far to travel um, each time. It's a long commute. But, uh, but yeah, definitely when I'm done playing, um, if I could get a job in the industry down here, um, if anybody's listening, <laughs> give me kind of four or five years and then I'll come back to you. But, yeah, it's, it's a great way of life. Um, obviously, the weather is great for the most part. Um, Except when it's too hot. Too hot. I mean, it's. Uh, I've always enjoyed it in Melbourne because you do get the different weather conditions. You get it, four seasons in a day is the old cliche down here. But it's it's kind of more like home in that way. You have seasons rather than in some places that are kind of more humid and, and warmer all the time. So, yeah, I can definitely see myself moving here in the future. Did you just inadvertently rule out Queensland? It did. I, think, I think you did. It's far you too did, hot and humid for a. To, but I think you did. Yeah, it's too hot for a, a redheaded pump. Yeah, it's, I don't thrive there. So you better go practice your golf if you're going to win this week. So. I do. Um. Yeah, I've got to, better, better do some practice today, prime tomorrow. Um, and then looking forward to getting started on Thursday. And of course you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. It's when I thrive. Um. But no, the, just what they've done with this event since it started in 2012, 13 down here. It's how it's how it's, it's grown though, from. One hundred and fifty thousand to to one point five million now. Like the the support from the government and Dan Andrews is, I mean, it helps that he's a good golfer. Um, but I think he can see the bigger picture that it's great for the region, great for the city of Geelong. It's great for Barwon Heads that these international superstars from all over the world come to this little mm-hmm. coastal town in in Victoria, showcase their skills. Yeah, I spoke to some of the people not last year, the year before, some of the business owners just along the main street of the cafe and they said it's a fantastic week. They have a few of these kinds of things. Golf is just one of them. I think they have a cycling thing down mm-hmm. here as well that brings a lot of people to the place. But for a place that relies on tourism, which Barwon Heads does, it's a seasonal mm. uh, industry. That, that That's where they make their money. An event like this is really oh, it's, important. It's crucial. It's massive. And, um, you know, the publicity that the players themselves give through their yeah. social media accounts and showing the place off, just having them is 300-odd players. Yeah, they've all got to eat somewhere. Plus associated and, staff and, yeah, you know. caddies and everybody's got to eat and drink somewhere. And, yeah. I mean, um, friends of mine that own the the beach house in, in town there, they say – Last night, fantastic. If anybody's listening and hasn't oh, been yeah. to the beach house in Bowen Heads, do yourself a favour. It's fantastic. It's a great spot. Um, great food. I've been there – Several times, and the food is fantastic. And uh, are they paying you yet? Or not is that start uh, after today. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have that conversation later. I'll cl- I'll cut out this clip, and you can eat. Yeah, I'll too. send that to Brian. But uh, but like you said, it's it's uh, it relies on tourism. And speaking to them, and they say once um, once Australia Day is done, that's sort of the end of obviously kids are back at school and yep. the end of the holidays. So if you can have this extra week. Not long after it, the weather's great. We can get some spectators down here to come and see some great golf. It's just great for the whole area, the the business here. And, if, yeah, like I said, if they can have an extra week of, of revenue, fantastic. Yeah, we criticise professional golf a lot on this podcast, but there's that is one of the examples of how professional golf does good. Yeah. Is it brings an event to an area which brings people and economics and, and Absolutely, good stuff. Absolutely, yeah. So, it's, that's where the uh, – yeah, say so the government's been great. They can see that it's going to yeah. – 
going to have an effect down here. Golf's about more than just golf, Fleet. And on that philosophical note, you can go and practice. And Thank I can you. Go and get on with the show. Thanks for joining us today. Really. No problem, Rod. Thank, Rod, thanks very much for having me. Episode 17 of the Good Good Golf Podcast in the books. You've now been on both I Seek Golf oh. and Good Good. You're one of the few who can say that because no, there is no more I Seek. So you've, you've, you've got the first leg of the Grand Slam and now you've got the second leg. Ticking boxes. Fantastic. All right, great. Episode 17 in the books. We'll be back. Do it all again next week.